and welcome back to Poldark Podcast, a podcast about Poldark. We are your hosts. My name is Rita. I live in England. I blog at Princess of Poldark and tweet at Rita Bike. And I'm Michelle. I live in the States. I blog at Poldark Muses and tweet at Musings. I'm Delinda. I live in France. I blog at Britishly So and tweet at Delinda Dia. So, Season 3 is currently airing on BBC One each week. And we're doing a series of podcasts in response to each episode. Now, unfortunately, the show won't air on PBS until October. Boo. So if you're not caught up, fair warning, this is going to be spoiler filled. (laughs) Uh, But before we get started, though, uh, we want to make a bit of a statement about our policy on speculation. Uh, Last month, we posted a note saying we would not speculate about rumors or reports from news organizations or even the cast when it comes to the show. Uh, Well, since news broke out about a pair of castmates dating, um, and that hit the interweb, uh, we received I don't know how many asks inquiring about our opinions uh, regarding this latest development. We discussed the show and the books. We do not speculate about the personal lives of the cast members because no. Beyond the fact that their love lives are none of our business, there is plenty of Poldark related stuff to keep us busy producing the podcast for weeks and weeks. So, just so we're clear, no speculation about the show based on rumours, news reports, or intel from the cast, crew, creators, panels, etc. because it's just too speculative. And we won't be discussing or speculating about cast members' personal lives. Because gross. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All related asks will be deleted and or unanswered. So, with that said, consider this your Season 3 spoiler alert because it's time to get into the episode discussion. Here is a recap of events from Episode 5, which aired Sunday night. The episode begins with a Poldark staple. Cliffside Exposition! So the plan is, the Royalist fleet will land in France, overthrow the Republic and free its prisoners. So Caroline believes? Caroline is indeed very optimistic. The Royalists are landing just 20 miles from where Dwight is being held captured, but Ross is convinced it will not succeed. War is unpredictable and difficult, and the landing might provoke a slaughtering of prisoners. After talking with Henshaw and Zaki, Ross comes up with a plan where, under the cover of the counter-rebellion, they will enter the prison, free Dwight, and bring him home. Simple. Over in Truro, George has just found out that Valentine has rickets and he throws a massive fit. That storyline abruptly segues into a conversation about how George wants to attend a party hosted by Lord Falmouth. Elizabeth suggests George ask Ozzy's mother to procure them an invitation but he's dubious that he should when Morwenna is still unwilling to accept Ozzy's marriage proposal. Speaking of Morwenna, she has spent the last few weeks in Trenwith frolicking with Drake and completely ignoring the inevitable. Aunt Agatha spots them together and confronts her about it. Oh yes, I, I, I'm usually the first to defy him, but that's because I have little to lose. Do you? I cannot marry Mr. Whitworth. You cannot marry Drake, Karn. Finally, she decides to engage her brain and break it off with Drake. She tells him she doesn't love him, and he reacts in a terribly mature manner. He's giving up on life, you guys. Uh, watch out, Ross. There's a new idiot in town, and he's coming for that dunce cap. 
Ross Poldark, a contender for Parliament. If you're wondering where the fuck this random plot point is coming from, read the books. That actually has context and builds the events leading to that. Anyway, this turn of events pisses George off and he plans to take Ross down at the Lord Falmouth party. Ross says goodbye to Demelza and rides on down to Falmouth with his crew of Henshaw, Zaki, Tholly, and just two random extras they picked up on the side of the road. <laughs> when they arrive, they see three men arguing in French in a pub. That's the counter-revolution, apparently, according to this cheap-ass show. Ross declares the landing will fail before he even gives it a chance, entirely for plot convenience, and instead decides to make the trip without the French and try and free Dwight with just his crew. Demelza has elected not to tell Caroline about Ross's mission. A shitty friend move, but okay. Caroline invited her to Lord Falmouth's party, which is mad awkward because everyone will no doubt be talking about Ross. Thanks to George. <laughs> Thanks to George, yeah. While on the ship to France, Ross discovers that Drake the Idiot, and in case you forgot, we trademarked the idiot, uh, yes. has snuck on board and Ross agrees to let him stay. Demelza finds out about this and yells at Sam, How the hell is this his fault, girl? She then, confusingly, goes and starts crying on the beach where she runs into Morwenna and tells her what Drake has done. Morwenna angsts some more. In the meantime, Ozzy pulls on some strings and secures that invite for George. George is therefore pressured into assuring him Morwenna will accept him within the month. To speed things along, Morwenna is also invited to the Falmouth party. George finds out about Ross and thinks it's reckless and dumb and uses it on his campaign to smear Ross at the party. This backfires spectacularly because Lord Falmouth's nephew is a prisoner of war and he ends up looking like a huge asshole. <laughs> also at the party, Caroline discovers that the French landing failed and sobs. But I mean, that all happened off screen. Who cares about that storyline, right? Right. Uh, Ross arrives at the prison. He and Thali approach the front door, pretending to be a Frenchman and his English prisoner. When inside, Ross and Thali beat down like 10 guards by themselves and then call the rest of their crew in after them. Uh, they make their way to the prison, trying not to draw attention to themselves, and cause a stampede to escape. They bump into Hugh, who leads them to an exhausted-looking Dwight. At first, he is reluctant to leave, but Hugh begs him to go, and Dwight agrees. Naturally, the whole quiet escape thing doesn't work because of one loud, obnoxious ginger kid yelling at everyone about a prison break and raising the alarm for more French guards. The crew manage to make it outside, but are fired upon by said guards, and both Henshaw and Drake are shot. Drake in the shoulder, Henshaw in the neck. That was the neck. Okay, it was too dark for me mm -hmm, to Mm-hmm, that was the neck. <laughs> he would have survived, I think, if it was the shoulder. Um, mm -hmm. Henshaw is dragged into the woods by Ross, and Dwight tells them that he's bleeding out and he will not survive. Ross and Dwight offer to stay behind with him, but Dwight tells him it's too late, that Henshaw is dead already and everyone then flees. While doing that, they bump into an escaping Hugh and he joins them on their boat back to England. While on the boat back to England and nursing Drake, Dwight confesses that Henshaw was not yet dead, just unconscious, and that he lied to make sure Ross did not stay and get himself killed. Everyone arrives back home, Ross and Demelza hug, 
Dwight is reunited with English soil and then collapses in relief. Bless him. And of course, Sam runs into his brother's arms and hugs him. They're so squishy. They fall out they on, fall the on the beach too. <laughs> Everybody's just falling down. Exactly. The happiness is cut short when Demelza realizes everyone's fave, Henshaw, is dead. And then she starts sobbing, and then everybody's sad, and I cry. Drake and Dwight are carried up to Nempara. Caroline, who has been reduced to mopping in front of a fire and waiting again, thanks Debbie, is called for and reunited with Dwight for 30 seconds. Again, thanks Debbie. Over at Trenwith, George learns that Hugh Armitage who Ross just rescued is Lord Falmouth's nephew, and he looks like he wants to throw up. Jeffrey Charles, on the other hand, smirks. We then cut to Henshaw's memorial uh, at the mine, where Prudy and the Carnes sing a beautiful, mournful hymn. Though we may no longer behold him in our hearts he Everyone cries, and then Hugh meets Demelza, hashtag awkward, telling her he wants to make the most of his life. And the episode, thankfully, ends. <laughs> so, uh, what did you <laughs> think of this week's episode? <sighs> okay, we got mostly positive responses from you guys. Absolutely addicted Podaki said, Well, it was certainly a roller coaster ride of emotion. Full of love, adventure, pain, loss. Overall, I enjoyed the episode. There were a couple of things I didn't care for, like Henshaw dying being one. I didn't care for the Drake and Morwenna quote breakup. Definitely over that. You and us all. Mm-hmm. Sweetbug22 said, loved episode 5. In fact, I think I'm just about ready to say Season 3 Poldark is my favorite season and has totally stolen that from season 1. Um, okay. Um, uh, what? What? <laughs> what? Dramatic <laughs> What? Oh, God. Okay, we we could spend an entire show talking about that. So let's let's oh, just move she's on. drinking, because it sounds like magical over there in that world. <laughs> um, Tropeliza, on the other hand, First off, let me say that I really struggled this week. I watched the first 20 minutes three times because I was just so disinterested. <laughs> After I got past that 20 minutes, I was really into it and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I liked last week's a little better, but this did a lot did a lot to advance the story in just a short 58 minutes. It felt like the longest 58 minutes of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My Musings from the Heart said, loved most of it. Loved the story flow and the balance between action scenes and other scenes. Ross's heroic plan to help rescue Dwight was fun to watch, but not very believable. I so regretted Henshaw's death. Such a dear character. Uh, Delinda, how did you feel about this episode? Oh, I didn't like it. Um, I was, again, mostly bothered by Drake. I mean, I know that in the books he's supposed to join on the, the rescuing Dwight adventure. 
But in this episode, I think it was uh, portrayed in a much more um, irrational way, because uh, <laughs> in the books, I mean, at, at some point in the book, I know that, uh, don't drink in the book, uh, <laughs> in the book, um, Ross realizes uh, eventually that he joined them on this, on this adventure uh, because he tried to kill himself. He couldn't bear the, the thought of not being with Morwenna. But again, this was adapted in a much less subtle way, I think, because we had this big dramatic, uh, we can be together, and then, cut short, I want to come with <laughs> you on this adventure. And then he, <laughs> I, I just, I didn't like it. And obviously, why did they have to kill Henshaw? I mean, I have not read the rest of the books yet. Um, the Angry Tide. Oh, he shows up for many books. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I would have thought that maybe he doesn't, he's not mentioned anymore, so that's why maybe they decided to kill him off, or maybe the actor uh, had uh, lots of other projects coming up, which I hope he does, because... <laughs> I love him. <laughs> but yeah, it was, um, I don't know, I think it was such a heavy episode, and uh, yes, the Carolite reunion, I know we'll be, we'll be mentioning it later, but... Uh, uh, Personally, uh, this episode from start to finish was bad, just in my opinion. I hated every storyline and most of the characters. There were a lot of good performances, no doubt, but I'm a viewer that prioritizes good storytelling and good clear plot progression and also characterization. This episode and a large chunk of this season has provided none of that and I felt like this episode constantly undermined everything that had happened before in characterization, while also just like skimming over most of the stuff that I wanted to see and instead I just got nonsense. Yeah, not a fan. <laughs> well, I didn't hate it. Uh, there were many things about it that I enjoyed. Uh, because, you know, I love Romelza so much. Every opportunity I get to, to see a little something of that, I, I'm, I'm happy. Um, but I found the episode to be so jam-packed with stuff that there wasn't enough time to let things breathe. Uh, to give them a chance to breathe, even. Um, and, you know, I, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've heard uh, Anon say that the book Black Moon is boring. I know. Re restrain, restrain me. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, they wound up having to zhuzh it up uh, to make it work for the ratings. But damn, y'all, doing that winds up uh, basically diminishing all of the character development and the, the storylines and, and all of that uh, in an effort to try and pack as much into nine episodes um, and make it really fabulous for folks that, that need to have drama and uh, that kind of stuff. It's basically turned into a soap opera, hasn't it? It's yes. plot over substance. It has. It, it, it really has. And I, I hate thinking about it in that context, but you know, as they continue along this path of of using broad brushstrokes to try and tell an intricate tale, uh, it, it is getting that soap opera seal. 
Uh, what yeah. was your favorite scene? So, favorite scene. Absolutely addicted, Poldarkey said, uh, when they finally reached Dwight in the prison. Luke Norris's performance. Dwight's inability to comprehend except that what was happening was real. That his friend Ross was truly there, standing in front of him, risking all to rescue him. And his dedication. I cannot abandon these men. What a man of true integrity. Round of applause for Dwight, please. Yes, absolutely, because he deserves it. Dang it. I love you. <laughs> um, Prairie She's Head said the scene where we get to see Ross's inner conflict <laughs> between doing the right thing and being there for the people he cares about versus being reckless or being accused of being reckless. This scene shows this conflict by intercutting with him ro rowing harder and faster <laughs> as the accusations of recklessness retestum <laughs> from those he let down in his head. I think it also shows a lot of character growth on the part of Ross. Before, we've only heard, of, heard him express regret when something went wrong, but we've never seen this conflict or doubt before the end result happened. I think it also shows how hard Hensho's death hit him and how he feels responsible for that. I thought it was going to be my favorite scene until those ridiculous... <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, the image of Ross angry rowing is like in my head. Wow, what a way to manifest someone's anger. Um, Sad rowing. You guys, have no, you guys have no idea how hard I am side-eyeing both of you right now. <laughs> There's like total, total side eye happening. It, I, I really like the scene. I just I <laughs> loved it. I I loved it. But uh, um, there was another comment about it uh, from Sweetbog22. I too, like many others, love the nightmare rowing scenes. It was so clever to show Ross's uh, point of view, and also it didn't hurt that he looked a bit like Mitchell too. Ugh. When he was rowing, you could see the weight of the world that is always on Ross's shoulders. I loved all the family time Ross scenes. I also loved when Ross bends down from his horse to kiss Demelza. Very reminiscent of series one. I think we lost Rita. <laughs> I'm sorry, mm -hmm. nightmare rowing scene. <laughs> I... wow. that, 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 that phrase has a couple of meanings, I think. Um, so, all right, Rita, I know that, that you really hated that scene. I want to know why you hate it that much. Firstly, right, we've just had Dwight and also Q, I guess, escape from this horrible, traumatic um, experience. Dwight is just a mess. Drake is, like, slowly, like, bleeding out on the ship. And, like, there are so many people in a worse situation on that ship, and we are focusing on Ross's morose little self-hatred daydream thing where he's, like, so... And I don't like this aspect of Ross's personality when he gets mopey and introspective. It's literally my least favourite aspect. That's why I like, really get annoyed at season one Ross. And it's, it's something that I think should be there in his character. It's definitely important. But it should be in the subtext of the scene. We shouldn't have, like, a montage sequence of like weird nightmare hallucinations like that's the kind of shit you say for subtext but when you know when we think about you know the fact that you know ross is such an internal thinker um he doesn't express a whole lot 
couldn't he have just said words about how he regretted it instead of having this like physical nightmare hallucination thing the flashing images is what made it ridiculous he can oh, have God. these emotions like this is not something I necessarily resent even though I do question its importance it's actually seeing the images drove it from being something that was sort of internalized to just ridiculous actually it just it, it just struck me as completely like hilarious rather than as like a beautiful insight into Russ's mind I'm like I I don't care about what Russ's state feeling in that moment and B that's not a good way of representing it <sighs> oh, you wanted well. my opinion this is my I opinion. know I know and you know I I suppose for me it gave did it really give you an insight into his character because this was incredibly predictable to me it was like, of course Ross is going to internalize this. Now, what what this did for me was to kind of show the, the depth and breadth of responsibility that he felt in that moment uh, when it was doubtful that Drake was going to survive. Uh, Dwight was barely hanging in there. And they had to leave Henshaw. They had to leave Henshaw, you know, in the woods, unburied, just left him there. I think I think that it gave us an opportunity for, for us to see that, you know, Ross is not this heroic character who, you know, is going to wind up um, talking about how marvelous these things are, you know, going on these adventures and things like this, that this is the burden that he is carrying from this uh, adventure that he's had and has the potential of impacting so many families back home. Um, I, you know, it for me, it, it worked for me. I understand that it uh, did not have the same effect for you, but I think it, it gave us an opportunity to see, to see the, the weight of this Act, this action um, and what it's taking on Ross. And I'm betting you that it's going to make sense as we move further on into the series. What I would say to that is that I wish that had been implicit in the writing of the episode rather than being represented visually. Like, you, I, that's what I'm saying about subtext. If it had been written as this huge burden from the beginning of the episode, we wouldn't need this weird hallucination thing. Okay. But hey, it was well directed. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Halloween Poldark. <laughs> Halloween. It's like the in the Simpsons where you get like the Halloween episode. Well, to each his own. Uh my musings from the heart said the scene in which Demelza comforts heartbroken Drake and refers to her state of mind after losing Julia was also very good. And I so loved Ross lovingly comparing Drake to Demelza. Tropeliza said Demelza's reunion with everyone on the beach. You could tell it was genuine, happy tears, and then deep sorrow when she learned about Henshaw. Truly beautifully acted. More on that later. Uh, BPAC67 said the goodbye scene between Ross and Demelza. Uh, loved her comment, I do not ask you to be reckless, for I know you cannot promise something that is so against your nature. And the smile on Ross's face when she said it. I thought 
it reflected on the one hand an understanding and acceptance by Demelza of a fundamental part of Ross's character, and on the other hand an acknowledgement and appreciation by Ross of Demelza recognizing that part of him. This was freaking out a character for Demelza. I just, I can't. For most of season two and three, Demelza's been bitter as hell about his recklessness and his constant dangerous antics. But suddenly she's like, just chill, chill with it. Like, since when? And also, why? Yeah, what made her change her position on this? I mean, I love the fact that she was finally able to recognize that he's the kind of man he is because, duh. Uh, but give us the chance to understand where this shift in thinking came from. Uh, I'm trying to think of something I liked about it. And I guess the house party scene had, like, good gowns. In the words of Aretha Franklin, good gowns, beautiful gowns. I'm glad you did find something to like about it, though. I also really liked the music. This is something that occurred to me. I was like, it had good music. Anne Dudley never fails to um, satisfy. I mean, she has done a beautiful job at scoring this show. So, least favorite scenes and why? Trapeleza said the scene between Agatha and Ross. First off, she is not afraid to speak her mind to anyone, and then when she's with Ross, she's timid and not at all forthright. It seemed out of character for her. Amanda Poldark said Morwenna breaking it off with Drake. Both of their reactions seemed off to me. I don't think this season has gone into enough, enough depth with their characters. You think? BPAC 67. Morwenna encouraging Demelza on the beach. Oh, encountering Demelza on the beach. And Morwenna being there on the cliff tops when Drake returns with the others from France. Both those scenes were too contrived. Absolutely addicted, Poldorki said, I must say the reunion of Caroline and Dwight. Why? Because I wanted more. It was another rushed scene. Here was the scene we were looking the most forward to, and in one minute it was all over with. First of all, Caroline isn't like this in the books at all. Debbie has made her the exact opposite of her character in the books. Sitting alone and staring off into space? Really? She rode however many miles to Verities in the books to be reunited with Dwight. She didn't sit idly by. Also, the separation and waiting in the books was as painful for the reader as it was for the characters. This made their long-awaited reunion so heartfelt and lovely. I am very hurt and disappointed that we were denied this. My musings from the heart said Henshaw's death and leaving his body behind in the woods really upset me. You know, I understand the reason why they had to do it, but oh god, that bothered me. Uh Prairie Cheesehead said Henshaw dying. I'm not thrilled that they killed off his character. I understand that it was done to show that he is loyal to Ross and he cares about the people around him. This loyalty and care for others extends to him even being willing to risk his life for them. Still, there is a part of me that wishes that it was one of those no-name actors who had to guard the boat that died. <laughs> who are they? Yeah, yeah. when I heard they were killing off a character, I had a really bad feeling that they were red-shirting Henshaw, uh, particularly in last episode. Um, although I had a moment of hope when I saw the two extras in the boat. But no, I've been slapped upside the head by the Joss Whedon school of killing off beloved characters far too many times to let that glimmer take root for long. 
all of the interactions Henshaw has had with Ross and his family, his inquiry about how Clowance was settling in with Demelza, all of the marvelous scenes where he and Ross were bantering, it was all there being telegraphed to us. And, uh, damn it, where's my bourbon and my Kleenex, man? Uh, it's like... It's six in the morning here. I can't have bourbon right now. <laughs> um, but, oh my God, I, I did imbibe uh, a bit after this show. I I am not going to lie to y'all. Yeah, I don't like saying this, but uh, I too would have preferred uh, seeing someone else written off. But, um... I think I understand why they did kill um, Henshaw because uh, if they had killed someone else, it would not have had uh, the big emotional impact that uh, Henshaw dying had, and uh, it will probably continue to have um, an impact on Ross uh, in the next episodes. And uh, yes, especially the fact that they left his body like uh, he was one of the m most beloved characters. He was there from the beginning, always supporting Ross in his uh, crazy mining ventures. And uh, <laughs> the fact that he left his body in the woods on its own, it's uh, he didn't honor his character by uh, leaving him. He would have deserved like a proper funeral. But yeah, all the villagers were united. I'm sorry, I'll just stop. <laughs> okay, favorite new character and why? God, I'm, I am sitting here actually getting all cray about this, but let's... Uh, favorite new character. Let's let's uh, shift gears, please. Yeah, um, Sweetbug22 said, Am I allowed to say that my new favorite character is Ross's gorgeous season 3 hair? Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> hey, hey. Hey, man. <laughs> it is pretty damn good looking, I will say that. Can be worse than season 2. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, you know. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. You know, you know, we came out of season two being so traumatized by it. Um, traumatized is such a good word. Try, yeah, trauma, <laughs> traumatized by hair and makeup. Oh God. Oh, anyhow, uh, Prairie Cheesehead said the toads because George hates them. Uh, My musings from the heart said Osborne Whitworth. Christian Brassington is fabulous as this gross, lecherous, creepy, despicable man. Mr. Collins 2.0 from Pride and Prejudice, and so much worse. Poor Mawena. Uh, the way he says, Ms. Chenoweth. <laughs> Ms. Chenoweth. I think it's, it's, it's Ms. Chenoweth. Uh, makes me nauseous. Uh, spot on casting. Uh, second favorite new character is Sensitive and Grieving Ross. Wow, another great and so brilliantly acted dimension of this character. Absolutely addicted Poldarky said, oh dear, I can't believe I'm going to say this, Hugh Armitage. I only chose him as my favourite because he was a pivotal character in the prison escape. If it wasn't for him, Dwight may not have left his patience. He is going to be my favourite to hate very, very soon. Amanda Poldark said, not new, but Hugh Armitage. He's even sexier with the prison... With the prison grime off of him and his flirting with Demelza was super adorable. Somebody get me a bucket! <laughs> I think we can all rejoice that the freaking terrible fake beard is off him, though. Like, thank God. Oh, Jesus, yes! Oh my God. Yeah, that was, that was pretty horrible. Least favorite new character and why? 
BPEC67 said Ozzy Whitworth, the actor Christian Brassington, is so hideously good in performing the role. At the Loving Cup came up with the great hashtag Suaveworth describe Ozzy, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> um, can somebody explain that to me? Because, uh, you know, his, his, he's trying to be so, so suave. Oh, it's ironic. Okay. Yes. Yes, Swaveworth. Uh, Amanda Poldark, not really a new character, but Ozzy, a.k.a. Reverend Creepworth. I can smell his sweaty forehead from here. Oh my god, I think I really am going to throw up. Oh. Uh, my musings from the heart, Osborne Whitworth, the villain you love to hate. A second least favorite character is Hugh Armitage, without beard, in full handsome seduction mode. Trapeliza said, Sam. What? Normally I like him, but they are really scaring him to be a doormat and and a Bible thumper, and that is not who Sam was in the book. He had convictions and wasn't all about rubbing his religion in everyone's face for sport. It had purpose and meaning to their lives. In the show, it's just as if he was nothing better. He has nothing better to do than preach to everyone all the live long day. Live long day. Question. When did he preach this week? Like, I get this as a criticism of last week's episode, but all he did was get yelled at by Demelza this week. Yeah! Um, he was worried. Uh, <laughs> I'm really over everybody yelling at Sam about his religion. Stop doing it. <laughs> we get it. Well, it doesn't, it, uh, it doesn't help that they have uh, wound up uh, broad-brushing his character and, and the the importance of his faith uh you know for in order to move the story forward so mm, agreed uh pretty pretty <laughs> that said like in my head doesn't that if you just read the first word <laughs> yeah because i i i misspelled it i'm sorry prairie juice head said my least favorite new character in this episode is hugh armitage when he said to demelzer at the end that he intended to make the most of his freedom my first thought was oh i bet you will you homewrecker i'm watching you armitage mm-hmm. uh attorney msb3 said hugh armitage why his last line at the funeral to demelza and ross at henshaw's funeral was hit you over the head with a shovel foreshadowing if you read the books if it also was a sign of his smarminess devil's advocate Hugh hasn't really done anything wrong yet the fact that he was introduced to Demelza way too early and in such a shitty anvil way is really down to the writing and not the character that's it for me precisely I mean I don't like the character God knows people know that about me. Oh my God, new information. It's a shock. But the ham-fisted way the groundwork is being laid uh, out for this really mutes the intricate way this particular storyline progresses. Okay, what made you cheer? Sweetbug22 said when Sam busted in the door to say Nampara Cove. <laughs> also, oh. when Demelza asked Caroline if she was up for a little surprise. Oh my god, I loved when he came through the door and said Numpara Cove, and then the two of them are running down the cliff. That was marvelous. That was marvelous. That was one of the moments that I just loved. But um, what really annoyed me in that scene where they're slow-mo running down the cliff is that we got another lens flare. Oh, stop Oh, uh, yeah! Stop it. <laughs> the lens flares are killing me, man. What is this, J.J. Abrams? This is not Star Trek. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, attorney MSB3 and BPAC67 both agreed it was all the Romelza, the family scenes on the cliff and in the house with the kids, the goodbyes and the reunions. Uh, Amanda Poldark said, Caroline and Dwight's reunion, a lovely mix of poignant and adorable, you know, for the three seconds they were on screen, but Super sorry. concise. I'm, I'm bitter. Absolutely addicted, Poldark said. Also, when George discovers Ross rescued Lord Falmouth's nephew. Take that, George. Trapeliza said, when Demelza gave it back to George at the ball, George, it's positively infantile. Do you think do you think he'll ever grow up? Demelza, dripping with disdain and sarcasm. I don't know, George. Will you? Drops Mike and walks away. Not the <laughs> best comeback though. The I remember the Podark Twitter was acting like it was like such a bad burn, but doesn't Demelza inadvertently admit Ross is also infantile? <laughs> well, um, this is how she's seen this thing between the two of them as being very childish. Um, and, you know, you have to remember, this is feisty Demelza. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> uh, my musings from the heart said, uh, loved Elizabeth explaining to George that wearing lavish jewelry was not appropriate. And he listened and understood. Love how Elizabeth is kind of a teacher to George about manners in society, and he lovingly accepts. Jack portrays a George who is truly in love with Elizabeth, very endearing. Though, so, I, I got a kind vibe that Elizabeth was sort of snobby. <laughs> That's the vibe I got. Like, she was looking down at George for being so uncouth, like, oh, you poor <laughs> innocent little miner's grandson. Oh. How could you not see how ugly and trashy that is? <laughs> You wouldn't know that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, and this is something that, that is mentioned in, in Don't Drink in the books, um, <laughs> where one of the things that George uh, appreciates about uh, Elizabeth is the fact that she does have all of this knowledge about, you know, how to, how to behave in society and that type of thing, and, and that he's grateful that he has her there to kind of help him help school him uh in these in these ways but you know given all of the stuff that that happens uh within this story was that really a a, a critical piece to to have on the show no <laughs> i mean no the thing with the rickets no. just suddenly appeared and then disappeared and then it was like oh the jewelry oh not the jewelry and then i'm trying to get an invitation and like George had like six different threads and they were not woven in a way that made sense. Like when no. you're watching it, it no. was just jarring. Um, random question. Uh, did, did Elizabeth drink in this episode? I can't remember. Yeah, she did. She was drinking a lot at the party. She did. We, Yeah, we didn't see her tapping the uh, vial of happy juice uh, into her her wine or tea or whatever it was she was consuming, but she was drinking a lot. It's implied. She be drugged. <laughs> um, the Prairie She Said said, Technically, I did not cheer unless you wish to expand the definition of cheering to include ugly crying. But for me, that moment was when Ross entered the room where Dwight was. I was gone after that. I did a mini cheer, cheer whenever Elizabeth pushed back George. Uh, I pushed, pushed back at George's reaction over Valentine's having rickets. 
He's trying too hard to climb the social ladder and George's obsession with Ross over his MP, this MP rumor. It was nice to see her being assertive and not sitting at, at her vanity, putting Londonum in her wine mm-hmm. for most of her screen time. Mm-hmm. I agree. It was, it was nice to see Elizabeth, you know, rediscovering her backbone a bit. I liked when she was drinking her tea and was like, bitch, I'm going to sort out more winner. You can't do it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I have a, I have a better idea. Um, when did I cheer? When the episode was over. <laughs> oh, honey bun. It was a really long episode, right? Really long. <laughs> so long. They they packed so much into that thing. Um, I'm with B Pack. I was living for the Romelza, you know. And uh, when I first watched it, um, <laughs> if you can believe this, I'd fallen asleep on the couch. And so I missed the I'd missed the start of the show, so I like scrambled over to the computer, and so I missed the first part where the uh, family was out on the the cliff. And uh, so when I did my rewatch and saw that, I I literally shrieked uh, <laughs> when 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 that scene came up. You know, it was like the the look on Ross's face when the baby was fussing, um, when they said goodbye. Um, before Ross left and Demelza finally acknowledged the fact that she's married to a reckless mofo and didn't hold it against him. Uh, the little corked up smile on his face when he leaned down to kiss her. The long look into her eyes when they separated. Lisswoon. I shared when George trash-talked Ross at the Falmouth party and he ended up being the one snubbed for doing so. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was pretty crazy. Uh, what were some of the things that, that made you want to throw stuff at the television or computer screen? Um, Trapeleza said when Hugh Armitage was basically flirting with Demelza at the funeral, it was like, mm-hmm. show some respect for God's sake. He may as well <laughs> he may as well have winked at her. You can see Ross is very upset. She's crying. I'm eye-rolling a lot and giving myself a headache. Guys. He wasn't flirting with her. I think you guys are projecting, knowing what's happening. Yeah, whatever. It's confirmation bias happening here. What? Okay, yeah, he whatever. literally just spoke to her, and you're all like, he's flirting with her. I'm not the only one you know, that saying that. There, There's a whole bunch of people that are saying that, including folks that, that can't stand the dude, and uh, the person that, that really likes him all said, he's flirting with her. So... But, okay. How do you flirt? Is it just, like, talking to people? Oh, there's something in the eyes. Anyway, uh, Sweetbog22 says, The quite literal way Hugh said he was going to take advantage of his freedom. (laughs) (laughs) I just felt insulted. I, I just felt insulted. How much is Debbie going to dumb this down for us? We get it. Don't dumb it down. Anyway, I'm one of those annoying book people, so... The writing is what I had an issue with. It's like, why are you even talking? He didn't know <laughs> that guy. He went showed up to his funeral. Uh huh. Yeah. My musings from the heart said, my humble opinion, there are too much meaningless shots of endless big crashing waves. Excuse us while we now cut to some crashing waves. Go. 
guys, do you know that there are waves in Cornwall? I, 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 there, are, there are apparently a few. Um, absolutely addicted for dark. He said, Drake on the cliffs, Moana on the cliffs, jump! Oh, I wrote this puppy love finally! <laughs> jump off the cliff! <laughs> That's radical! <laughs> oh my god. Uh, let's see, Prairie Cheesehead said, George. Uh, first, his disdain for Valentine having rickets. Really, George? He's the warlegged and heir. You're so shallow that you think less of your son because he has a curable medical condition. I got the impression George was actually incredibly scared in that scene. You can see the emotion welling up in Jack Farthing's eyes. He says incredibly dumb shit, to be sure, but I think it's out of love and just fear, and not because he's being classist again. No, although he did have, he did have... But that's part of it. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah, he always winds up throwing in something about, you know, this is, he's not being raised, you know, by some blah 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 on gin and whatever. It was like, dude, please. So, like, that's not purely um, crazy, because Ricketts was considered more of a lower class um, illness, so... Mm. said goes on to say, second, uh, George's insecurity over a rumour that Ross was running for MP and this mission to ruin Ross so he wouldn't get elected. Dude, give it a rest. The only things that made this bearable was how com he completely embarrassed himself in front of Lord Falmouth, who he was trying to impress. Elizabeth calling out George for making an ass of himself. I love that she was able to put him in his place. And the crestfallen look on George's face when he learned one of the rescued prisoners was Lord Falmouth's nephew, Hugh Armitage. I think it does a disservice, yeah, I think it does a disservice to George's character to ramp up his insecurities more than they are portrayed in the novels because it makes George look weak. Plus, it looks worse when there is no moderating influence, such as George's father in the books. George has weaknesses, and they can drive him to, do, to be petty and to do petty things, but his weaknesses and strengths are balanced in the books. I totally agree with that. I want to, like, tattoo that on my body. It's so correct. And um, really what is driving me crazy in George scenes. Okay, um, what was your performance of the week? Deepak67 said it was difficult to separate Aiden, Luke, and Eleanor. I thought they were all outstanding in performing those emotional scenes in the prison, Hensho's death, the return from friends, and Hensho's memorial, memorial service. My musings from the heart said Ross's guilt-ridden, tormented, nightmarish version <laughs> vision scene. Wow, I have to read this. <laughs> Plus, mm -hmm. all the scenes in which he displayed his grief. Phenomenal acting, so realistic. And for the record, I do agree. Aiden was fantastic in all of his scenes when he was being grief-stricken. I just, it's just that one nightmare vision scene that I take issue with. Uh, Prairie Cheesehead, uh, Aiden Turner, all the emotions he portrayed, and so well. His performance is 95% of the reason I was ugly crying. Aiden, you are MVP this week. Mm -hmm. um, Sweetbug22 said, Everyone, the homecoming scene where Demelza is trying to figure out who did not come home. Such, a, uh, such standout performances from everyone, especially Eleanor and Aiden. Amanda Poldark said, John Hollingsworth for making us all ugly cry. <laughs> but I um, miss and, him so much. And Tropaliza, uh, Eleanor Tomlinson slated this week. Shout it, Rita. She's a queen. Yes. Queen. 
her scene on the beach with Morwenna, her scene with George, her scene with Prudy, her scene with Ross, just slayed this episode. Uh, most favorite memory of Captain Henshaw. Oh, I'm not ready for this. Yeah. Trapeleza said, when Demelza first visited the mine as mistress of Nempara and Captain Henshaw had that cute little report with her, love that he never gave her side eye or made her feel less than. Hashtag RIP Henshaw. Attorney MSB3 said Henshaw laughing at Ross when Ross told him how he got his black eye in season two, episode nine. BPAC67 said the comment he made when he was leaving the court with Ross and Demelza, I was hoping to deal with the sensible member of the family. Oh <laughs> I love that. Yes. I love that. Uh, Amanda Poldock said, I want to say all of them, but I especially adore Henshaw in season one for standing by Ross when the mine was sure to fail. Absolutely addicted Poldock, he said, my favorite memory of Henshaw will now be this episode. Seeing his brave, heroic side was wonderful. One, when Ross gives him and the others an opportunity to stay back due to the risk. And Henshaw says, mining's a risk, loving's a risk, living's a risk. Two, um, when he whips out the explosives <laughs> during the escape. Stand back, that, He will be missed. That was so awesome. That was so oh, good. Oh, God, that was I was, was also, so like, good. watching that going, oh, God, he's being awesome they're killing him off and it was like awful and wonderful at the same time um my musings from the heart said when he walks to the mine with demelza and ross and she refers to ross as her assistant and ross is not amused <laughs> and or does not get the joke sweet bug 22 when Hanshaw asks if ross got his shiner in the mine accident and ross tells him my wife took a dislike to something i said <laughs> Henshaw starts laughing hard. Uh, also, there was one time when they were celebrating at the mine and Henshaw said he was going to take a drink. Actually, he said that he never had a drink. And then when he does, he makes an awful, awful face. <laughs> oh my God, I loved that scene. I, so cute. Oh I loved that scene. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> my favorite memory of Henshaw is the same as Yubi Pack 67 um, when he said that he was looking forward to deal with the sensible side of the family. Um, I think if there were to be a Paul Dark Best Clothes book, this line would definitely go down as one of the best. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Hashtag RIP Henshaw. Hey, we actually have his first name now William. I thought he, his first name was Captain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. By the way, you guys, during the memorial, so, uh, I don't know if you noticed, um, there was a woman standing next to Carolina. Are we to assume it might have been Hensha's wife? That was his yeah. wife. We're wife. to assume that's his yeah. wife, yeah. Yeah, because he had like loads of kids and a wife. And mm -hmm. Why did you go with him, <laughs> Hensha? Respectable man. Oh, my God. Anyway, we're going to miss you. If we get to see tomorrow, I hope it's worth all the way. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Any other observations you wish to share with us? Sweetbug22 said, Tholi's French seems to be beautiful. We should ask the resident French expert. <laughs> that would be you! Uh -huh. Yeah, I confirm. His French is really uh, impressive. 
And uh, Sweetbug22 also said, also, if they're trying to make Hugh so likable, why are they making Sam so unlikable? Seems like Debbie is mm-hmm. not giving Tom York anything to work with. Such a shame. I mean, I, I like him. <laughs> <laughs> He's so unlikable. Uh... Yeah, but, you know, I, I understand what she's saying. It's like they, you know, they, they basically turn him into his father. Let's see, attorney MSB3 says Demelza's line to Ross after Henshaw's funeral. How can we ever foresee what will come of our actions? Hang on a minute, dude. <laughs> that line could easily come back to bite you. Like, for instance, when Ross had sex with Elizabeth, there was a pretty good and foreseeable chance that she would get knocked up. Uh, Ross and Elizabeth are hugely accountable for the mess they created because of their stupidity and selfishness. What? Yes. That was one of the fucking stupidest oh, lines I've ever heard. My God. Like, who could possibly have foreseen that raiding a French prison in a country you're at war with might lead to someone dying? Um, how about literally everyone, Demelza? <laughs> literally. Don't cuddle him. He knows what, like, it's just ridiculous. He knew that that was dangerous. Yeah, she it did too. To dangerous. She did too. I mean, you know, everyone before knew. before they wound up leaving you know she was talking about you know these are respectable men how could they you know dude come on prairie cheesehead said i really really loved the song at the end of henshaw's memorial that was so beautiful the harmonies just gave me goosebumps i know that people are vocal in their hate on the dwight caroline reunion on tv but i don't mind it the banter is so them those who feel those two characters have been short-shifted so far in this series do have a valid point. I have this feeling that there is a reason for it. I have a feeling that they will get more airtime when the PTSD storyline gets underway. <sighs> I'm not holding my breath, girl. <laughs> like, when you consider how much else is going on in the show, I hope so, but I'm not going to count my chickens. Yeah, I hope, I hope, I hope so, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next week. Um, my musings from the heart said it strikes me that they use so many slow motion shots and the same sunshine gleam in the camera over and over again. <laughs> yes. Oh God. Slow motion shots, sunshine gleam, crashing wave. Hashtag drama. <laughs> we get it. It's beautiful countryside. Come on. Oh um, God. No ambition. Blog said. I found it quite alarming that Clowens is quite young still and Demelza is able to spend hours away from her, like all night at the ball with Caroline. She comes home the next morning. My babies at that stage are feeding about every two, three hours. Do they now have a wet nurse that is hidden away? If it was me, my boobs would have been bursting and I would have, and it, I would have leaked right through that corset and dress <laughs> actions. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, you're looking for logic, aren't you? Uh, well, join us on the You Need a Script Editor Jebby couch. Um, there weren't as many illogical snares as they had in 303, uh, but I think they must have had the fastest carrier pigeons alive uh, working uh, at that uh, time, you know, at, you know, in Cornwall at that time, because how would Demelza and Caroline find out that the landing had failed while they're at that party? Anyone? Bueller, stop hurting your brain, Michelle. Stop hurting your brain. It's not like they had smartphones and could tweet. Hashtag rebellion fail. <laughs> 
Hashtag rebellion fail. Yes. Trepalisa said, where is Ross's scar? I know that scars fade over time, but it looks like the makeup department isn't even trying anymore. There isn't even a shimmer on the side of his face. It just annoys me, and I'm constantly looking for it. This is Ross's trademark. Amanda Poldark said, I am absolutely enraged at Poldark fandom's negative reaction to Hugh Armitage last night. Are you? <laughs> I adore him even more now, and I'm ready to defend him against the entire fandom. <laughs> <laughs> enraged, enraged, really. Uh, chosen one of the most hated characters in this saga to champion. Uh, you better eat your Wheaties because you're going to need your strength to do all this defending. Okay, move on. Okay. I, I, am, I am literally shaking my head. I'm just shaking my head. <laughs> okay, let's move on to messages. Again, thanks, Guy, for all the messages that you send us each week. So, uh, Anonymous said, you mentioned in your podcast about Elizabeth's mom and Ginny being missing from the show. Uh, what about Tankard 2? There's no sign of him anywhere. I suspect all of the missing in action folks all have to do with the tighter budget they've had for this season. Given all of the new locations they've had to use, like for the prison, uh, these fancy houses for the balls they all keep seeming to go running off to. Um, and, you know, hell, we now know it was between Henshaw and Zaki to be cut due to budget as well as some duplication of purpose on the show. So, uh, you know, I, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if we start to see more people falling off as the, the story continues. Stop killing people! You're killing off the wrong people, that's the problem. <laughs> I have some suggestions. Um, I know that, that um, John gave a, an interview where he was talking about kind of the decision making around that. Um, I'll see if I can find it and uh, post a link to it on uh, the blog. Anon said, carrying his daughter around for an ep is endearing. I do want him to realize that his wife is desirable to others and that he should cherish her as much as he cherishes his damn mine. Like, I totally get being on the Ross hate train after episode 7 of season 2, but Ross has moved on from that. And as much as I still remember every douchey thing he's ever done, because I remember everything he did for us, I think we have to let it go. I mean, Demel's will let it go, so we can let it go. Oh, God, don't earworm me on that song, please. Please. Let it go, let it go. Why on earth don't people think Ross knows how desirable Demelza is? He does cherish her and their family. We've seen two episodes where this has been demonstrated. Um, you know, I, I don't understand this at all. Does he have to be crawling around on his knees after her all the time for the fact that he loves her to pieces to be indelibly inked on our eyeballs? He's a multifaceted man with not only his family to support, but over 100 families through the mine. Uh, and do people think the mind just works um, and doesn't require his attention? Someone help me understand why he can't have a care about his wife and family as well as the mind. So, Gary, you might want to rewatch season two no! for why people think that. Because <laughs> you have to remember, this isn't book Ross. Like, season two, Ross legit spent most of the season ignoring Demelza. Week after week, he would brush her off all episode then the end of the episode he would apologize but oh look behold the next episode he went back to being neglectful again 
it was just a running theme. We complained a lot about it being heavy-handed back then too. Admittedly, the Ross character has done a 180 since then, but I would honestly blame the show for this assumption being prevalent in the fandom, not the audience for just like remembering stuff that happened. They went overboard with making Ross a shitty husband, and they are now paying the price. That's a good point. And like I said, they've given him, what, two episodes to do that 180? Uh, anybody want to place bets on another 180 coming down the pike next week? Um, Shara Dumore said, Hi, I had a question about one, what Aunt Agatha meant when she told Morwenna to give up Drake. What were her motivations and why would it be good for Drake or Morwenna to give him up? Brace yourself. <laughs> Long-winded explanation, Cuphead. Morwenna is the eldest daughter of a penniless reverend. Her father has died recently. With him went the family's income. As we saw in 301, Morwenna's mother is rather desperate to keep a roof over her family's head and so went to George and Elizabeth seeking some kind of assistance. Their solution was taking on Morwenna as a governess when she had like zero experience. <laughs> weird um and it's basically an act of charity that would ha help maintain and feed Moena's two younger sisters so Moena being with Drake would obviously piss off George and her family would lose the patronage that was probably keeping them fed and if she were not to break with Drake she'd have to marry him which would mean a loss in status and living standards because after all Drake is a teenage minor he cannot afford to support Rowena's lifestyle or really support anyone other than himself right now, let alone the inevitable family they would have. Um, living conditions for the miners' families were pretty awful. Like, just think about Drake's own family. I don't think anyone in their right mind would suggest anything but breaking it off with Drake. Well done! Um, Anonymous said her least favorite scene was basically every scene where they had Demelza, quote, crying, end quote. Sorry, but Eleanor can't sell it. I cringe every time Demelza has to sob and cry. Anon, I love and respect you, but you're an idiot. Oh! And Eleanor can cry, and you're wrong. <laughs> I suppose Eleanor did not deliver when Demelza lost Julia, but whatever. Uh, we, we don't agree. <laughs> Um, Anon said or asked, is it just me or does it seem that they have Ross always holding and smiling at Clowens to emphasize that he is not as close and warm to Jeremy? Yes, Lesai. And it breaks my poor little Jeremy loving heart. It's a really good way of emphasizing that because for a while it just looked like he didn't have much time for being a father and I'll put my hands up. I said he was a bad father. Mm -hmm. But I was wrong. I think he's earnestly trying to change post-Elizabeth cheating, and he feels like Clowence is a fresh start. That's not really an excuse for oh, no. his attitude to Jeremy, but, you know, I can understand it now. Yeah, it's so heartbreaking, and um, I can't wait to see how it will manifest when Jeremy is all grown up. Um, we know how broken wa Ross was when he and Demelza lost Julia back in season one, so um, I think he instantly connected with Clowence not to replace Julia, because one could never replace a child, but at least to fill the void of her passing left. I think you will be pleasantly pleased by how mm. that manifests. Like Winston, 
really does carry these threads along. Like, 20 years in the future, you will see this pay off. Oh, Winston. Yeah, so it's hard to see right now, but really, honestly, there's a reason for it. Uh, let's see. Anon, do you think Drake is like Demelza in personality, like Henshaw said, and Ross, because he seems nothing like her to me, seems a bit of a dreamer and dopey. <laughs> I mean, in the show? No freaking way. <laughs> but there are a lot of similarities between Demelza and her brothers in the books. I think the show's doing that thing that most people consider lazy writing, where they tell you what to think about a character rather than showing you what they're like. What she said! What she said, what she said, what she said. <clears throat> um, Anonymous said, At this stage, I keep watching Paul Dark only to follow the maneuvers of the marvelous, hideous Reverend Osborne Whitworth and how things between him, Morwenna, and the later, Rowella, and Rowella's husband-to-be, that's kind of a spoiler, but yeah, uh, will be presented, built up, and solved on screen. Though I'm afraid that Elise Chapel won't have the acting chops to do more... Morwella's excruciating ordeals justice. Hopefully I'll be proven wrong here. I hope Debbie won't disappoint with the adaptation of this storyline. I'm sure Elise Chapel is a very good actress and more than capable of selling that storyline, but I think she has to be given the right material to make it work in the show. It's obviously a very, very delicate subject matter, no spoilers, but I think we have reason to be dubious about whether the show can handle it following the missteps in its handling of the Ross Elizabeth saga and that scene and its general lack of character building from Moena so far. I think we should be prepared for this to not be given A, enough screen time, and B, any of the complex psychological approach that the novel had, where it dealt with feelings like of guilt and shame and feelings like she was culpable and it was a very intense storyline that doesn't deserve to be sidelined or mishandled. Preach! We are watching you. We are watching you, Debbie. I'm very worried, you guys. I, I am <laughs> so too. Worried. I am too. Let's see. Anon, what made me cheer? No fucking mention of Valentine's parentage or even alluding to him not looking like George. <laughs> Grateful for the small things. Sweet Rapture Delight said, Ladies, Poldark is frustrating the shit out of me, but putting aside my gripes, <laughs> Dwight Ennis lowered gaze, unsure, and I don't know, he couldn't even meet Caroline's gaze. I just felt all the emotions ever. How I wish Caroline's prescription of all the kisses ever was enough to help our precious doc. Please, Poldark, do right by these characters. Agreed. You know, yes. despite my frustrations at how this scene was written, I have to say it was beautifully acted by both actors. Luke is giving such a wonderful performance and the trailer for next week's episodes with this obvious PTSD gives me hope that we will see more of his recovery than we do in the books and um, I know he's going to slay it and also I also know his performance is going to be cut into tiny little slivers of time. That is for next week. Yes, um, their scenes are going to be so hard to watch. But let's be real, people. It could not be rainbows and kisses after all the time they were separated. And uh, not to mention the psychological trauma that Dwight was subject to. Again, damn those French. Um, <laughs> yes, because they're going to have to rebuild everything from scratch. Because even if Dwight was saved, I think a part of him died in France. 
and um, no doubt that Luke and Gabriella are going to deliver in the scenes. Amen. Amen. Uh, Cornwall Bird said, yes, the ratings are being put first. If it wasn't for Ross and Demelza kissing and love scenes, you wouldn't know how they felt about each other now. Ross said he must learn to love Drake as well, but there's nothing else to know about their feelings. It's all guesswork. Such a shame. It's a brilliant show, but their personalities have gone. Do you think? I really don't think Ross and Demelza being underwritten is this show's problem. I feel like they have very firmly been established. Wait, I feel like they very... What was I saying? I feel like their love and bond this season has been very firmly established, particularly after the birth of Clowence. I really don't need them to have constant heart-to-heart conversations about how they feel about each other. In fact, I think their casual banter is all that really needed to happen at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, think about everything they've been through over the, you know, seven, eight years they've been married at this point. Um, you know, if you think that marriages stay in the honeymoon phase forever, you know, I got a bridge to sell you. Um, they don't. Uh, shit happens and the relationship has to adapt. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I caution those of you that are watching this show, uh, thinking about this being, um, you know, like equatable to, you know, any fairy tale romance stories you, you may favor. You know, we've said this all along that this is not a fairy tale romance. Uh, this is about real relationships and about as real as they get. Um, I, I'm getting a little tired of saying that, but damn, apparently it needs to be said a lot. Oh, agreed. Honestly, controversial, but I think that their relationship and screen time has been, um, prioritized over some others when it's not the main thrust of the story and it's really damaging other characters like Dwight's and it's kind of frustrating. Okay, so let's take a listen to episode six trailer. He was here under my very nose. Prepare yourself to meet Mr. Whitman. Look me in the eyes and tell me you don't love me. Why do you suppose this has anything to do with the heart? Dwight! What's happened to my husband? Did I mention I have good news from Harrow? Jeffrey Charles is to start their next term. George has set a trap. Judas, and he's walking straight into it. After him! If Drake Khan hangs, the people will rise up, and I will be powerless to stop. Idle threats. You sure? Ross gives some of Nampara's land to the peasants so they can provide for themselves, while he and Demelza also come to the aid of Dwight who is terribly traumatized by his experiences of imprisonment in France. George tries to force Morwenna into marriage to further his political ambitions, an arrangement that Jeffrey Charles unwittingly lets slip to Drake. Oh, God. That, yeah, that's that's not going to end well. Shit's going to hit the fan. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So Ross Ross gives some of Nampara's land to the peasants. I know. Since when? Okay. That's new. Um, but, you know, they they have this new, uh, like, super expanded farm now. So, you know, apparently they've got tons of land. And I did hear that they, they wound up having to go to a new location for the external shots of Nampara because the folks at the original Nampara, 
they, they were getting kind of tired. While he and Demelza also come to the aid of Dwight, I really love that this is being framed as Ross and Demelza. I know! I um, know! Can Dwight just, like, have a storyline without it being about Ross and Demelza? And could it not involve, could it not involve his wife? No, because she's too busy <laughs> staring at a fireplace. <laughs> oh, oh wow. Uh, George tries to force Moenna into marriage. Hopefully, fingers crossed, will be the end of the book. <laughs> I mean, I think they, I think they basically put both books into a blender and have just kind of blended them up together. But do we think that Moenna is going to be married next uh, week? Is it bad if I say hopefully, so this doesn't drag out any longer? Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of hoping that it that it winds up happening next week, uh, but you know. Who knows? Um, from the trailer, I was it was just like when Drake was yelling at her, like, say you love me. I was like, um, yes. maybe not the best <laughs> approach to take Drake, my friend. Um, that's kind of, like, he seemed really angry at her that she wasn't saying she loved him. And it was like, Drake, <laughs> maybe just act like you maybe respect her decisions. I'm just saying. Yeah, but you know they they've wound up compressing a bunch of stuff um, as it relates to these two characters, and so they're doing stuff now that that happened before the rescue. Um, and anyhow, it's and also just like the weird frog stuff is going to happen apparently, and like Demel's yeah, involved. oh yeah, after the re- after yeah after the rescue. What do you, Debbie? Do you? But I will criticize you for it. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, so um, unfortunately, we have run out of time for this week's podcast. Again, thank you for listening and supporting us each week. We really appreciate it. Please feel free to get in contact with us either on our blog, pauldarkpodcast.tumblr.com slash ask, or tweet us at pauldarkpodcast. We love incorporating your views into our podcast. If you want to be featured in our episode, please try and get your message in by noon JMT time on Tuesdays, which is when we usually record. Have a good week, and bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
I'm not afraid.